Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. Today, I'm joined by Reverend Sean Parker Dennison of Rogue Valley Unitarian Universalist Fellowship in Ashland, Oregon. Recently, Reverend Sean spoke at ONS Congress regarding the topic of improving quality of care for the LGBTQIA community. Thank you again, Reverend Sean, for meeting with us today. Um, could you go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about a bit about your interests and what you do? Sure. My name is Sean Parker Dennison. I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister in Oregon. I'm also a transgender man, uh, just celebrated 25 years since I came out. So not someone who did this yesterday. Uh, been been living as Sean for 25 years. And uh, I'm an artist, love to paint and write poetry and take photographs and uh, well, yeah, I have grandkids, lots of things that keep me interested and busy um, and happy. So thank you for sharing that with us. And congratulations. I know it was 25 years ago, but congratulations on your transition. You're genuinely a pioneer and it's very inspiring. So first question I wanted to ask you, uh, transgender individuals often feel vulnerable when dealing with healthcare professionals. What can healthcare professionals do to make transgender patients feel more comfortable about seeking healthcare? Well, vulnerability is the key word because, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty privileged as a transgender person goes in that I have a full-time job, uh, a community, I have private insurance, uh, all these things. And still, when I am dealing with with healthcare, I am at my very most vulnerable. Um, and I know this is an oncology thing. And so by the time you get that many steps into a process, right, you've been in a vulnerable situation at, at every point, every little point up to that. You know, I've had to come out to the receptionist sometimes because it's a women's clinic. And here I am, you know, I had the cancer that I had, which is part of the story too, was um, endometrial cancer. So I was in a women's clinic and they would try to tell me I was in the wrong place. So there was just this ongoing um, like vulnerability, but also just a, a annoying, hard thing to say again and again, no, this is who I am. I'm in the right place. Look on your schedule. I have an appointment, so on and so forth. And that's the easy part, right? That's before your clothes are off or, you know, you're dealing, you're feeling really vulnerable with a clinician who, you know, has a lot of power. And uh, many, many times we talk about trans broken arm, arm syndrome. So the, the care can get um, waylaid by the transness, right? So, oh, we need to talk about your hormone regimen. No, I'm here for something else, right? Um, so I always feel vulnerable. My blood pressure is always through the roof. I have to take out my phone and show them the pictures of what my blood pressure was at home because I have white coat syndrome, uh, well-earned by lots of experiences. Um, so vulnerability and, and trying to imagine yourself in that position, that vulnerable, having had to come out, having had to uh, correct people, having had to prove that you're in the right place to get the care you need, you know, imagining that. And then on top of that, here we have this whole um, cultural thing going on right now where trans people are being treated as though they're evil, bad, um, hurting children, or, you know, or it's not a real thing it's a it's some kind of trick 
So uh, that makes me vulnerable too in those moments because I don't know when I walk into a clinic or a, a hospital or whatever situation, who thinks what about transgender people. There's no way for me to know that. Um, so when I was talking to the nurses at the conference, one of the things I said is, if you're in any supervisory position and you hear anything, you know, oh, <laughs> that, that guy's here for a hysterectomy or just, I'm not comfortable with this, take that person off my case. Don't, I am not there to teach them right then. You can teach them later, but please just, you know, take that person off my case so I don't have to deal with whatever leaks out around the edges of their discomfort. Um, so I'm thinking about other things people can do to make the patient feel better. I mean, you need to look through your paperwork, make sure that there's um, gender blank. It doesn't need to say MF and then another list of things, T and you know, Q and all those things. It could just say gender blank, fill in the blank. Um, just today, I was trying to make an appointment at a clinic and he said, what's your legal sex? Well, what do you mean by that, right? So ask me the real question. My legal sex is male. It's, it's been male for 24 years, but what are you as a clinician really needing to know? And, um, and interestingly, the young woman who was interviewing me for the intake was like, I'm so sorry, right? Uh, that I had to ask you that. And it's like, I appreciated that she knew it was an uncomfortable question. And why not make the question a better question? Um, so those are the things that come to mind right off the top of my head. Um, there's when I was having the hysterectomy, there was a particular thing that happened over and over again, which was actually an attempt to build rapport, but it uh, didn't work. <laughs> and that was uh, people kept making the same joke, which is, oh, you're transgender. You don't need these parts anyway. You don't like these parts. You don't want them. And um, that just hit wrong because I was there for cancer and they were making it about me being trans, right? But I was still going through all the things any cancer patient's going through and um, which includes a lot of mixed feelings, right? About surgeries and, and all sorts of things. And, you know, frankly, I, my transgenderness did not leave me hating my body. So I didn't like just want to discard this part of me. Uh, so sometimes discomfort comes out in these little jokes that end up actually, if, if one person had made that joke, it probably would have been okay, but it, it literally was five at least, maybe 10 by the time I got through the whole process. Uh, so, you know, be careful when you're, when you feel like joking around, it's probably set telling you something about yourself and that you're uncomfortable. And if you can reframe to what's best for the patient, that's the thing to do. Completely. Yeah. And thank you so much for taking the time to explain all that and going in depth. Honestly, it's such good to like hear an actual experience because I'm sure there's so many other people experiencing those same things. So genuinely, like, thank you so much for sharing this. Um, go ahead. One other thing I was thinking of is, you know, you may think that your staff and your, you know, your whole group is re doing really well, but you actually don't know whether I'm experiencing transphobia or not in there. I told the story of being bumped into the wall over and over again by the orderly who brought me back from surgery. 
So it was really passive aggressive. They didn't say anything, but I don't think probably that person usually bumps everyone into every wall, every elevator door, right? So you actually, because you're not there 24 seven, can't know. And I may be reactive because I'm experiencing something that you didn't see. Um, so just to, to also that vulnerability is real, whether you think your people are contributing to it or not. Right. It's important to know that. So I think that actually segues greatly into the next section, the next question. Um, so for nurses and stuff that may be um, seeing this or unaware or just whatever, um, what kind of tips do you have for those kind of healthcare professionals when treating a transgender patient for the first time or any time? Right. You know, it's hard because of how the medical system is set up, but my first my first response is take time, slow down. And I know, you know, nurses are being timed and, you know, everything's more, more, more. But with someone who is most likely already really um, in a, I, I'm scared of doctors, right? I'm scared of them now. I, it just over the years, there have been so many experiences that. I hate going to the doctor. Like I said, my blood pressure is always high. It's hard to find someone I feel like I can relate to. So building rapport and relationship beyond rapport that's just, you know, like, hi, how are you? Great, do you have a good day? Yes. But, you know, like, is there anything you want to tell us about your experience with the medical um, establishment <laughs> thus far in your life? Is there anything, you know, what is the most important thing you're here for? Because, right. you know, 25 years in, I'm not coming in very often anymore to talk about being trans. You know, I'm talking about the way my body is aging. I'm talking about, you know, interesting things that are going on that I don't understand, uh, probably not feeling well if I'm, you know. And so to take the time to treat a transgender person as a whole person and, and not, to, not to go right to the trans story and, you know, well, how long have you been on hormones? And even that would take me uh, 10 minutes to answer because, I've, because of lack of access to care, I've been on and off hormones more times than I even can count. So, um, you know, and, and there's not a lot of information out there about what that does to a body, right? So I don't even know. So I'm always scared that maybe because I couldn't stay consistently on testosterone, I've you know, did I get cancer because I didn't, wasn't able to access my testosterone regularly? And my, so my, you know, system was starting up and shutting down over and over again. I don't know. Um, so that's just, it's, it's really, I mean, it's like what we say for any group of people, like get to know them. If someone with a disability comes in, please don't jump right to talking about their disability. Like, why are they there? What do they, um, what are they there for? What do they need? What are they hoping for? You know, it's the same stuff. And, and it's harder right now because everything's in the public eye so much about transness. So it's easier to get stuck in thinking that's the presenting issue or, or really important. You know, even this, I you know, said I was starting, I was making a, an intake evaluation appointment. And, you know, she made sure to tell me that they have a, psych a therapist and a psychiatrist and all these people on staff. It's like, honey, I have my own therapist, <laughs> right? Like, and, and none of me being trans, do I need a psychiatrist for? I'm, I'm well past that part. I did that, you know, 
in, in 1997. So um, it just, it slips in there in ways that, that make me feel like all they noticed was I was trans, not who I am, what I actually wanted and needed. Um, and also just believe your trans patient. If I say, really, I don't have high blood pressure. You know, I, we're really, really good at doing self-evaluation because a, a lot of us haven't had consistent medical care, right? So I have a blood pressure cuff. I have a glucometer. I have, you know, all the things, the, uh, the ox oximeter, pulse oximeter, all those things. I keep good track of my health. And so believe me, I'm not trying to, if I've gotten to the point where I'm in your office, I'm not trying to fool you. I'm trying to get real care. So um, there, I think the, the narrative about trans people that is so harmful is somehow that we're lying. So if you know I was born female, somehow it, it, it comes across as like, I must be lying to you that I look like this and to sound like this, and, right? That somehow I'm, I'm hiding something, but I'm not. I'm actually, I transitioned to tell the truth about who I know myself to be. So I'm gonna tell you the truth. So please assume, even if I'm wrong about something, right? It's what I really truly think, you know? I really truly think I have, you know, strep throat, even though you don't see that. So whatever, um, but believe the trans person. Right? And one of the things that, that um, is very true is you can make one mistake. You can call me the wrong pronoun or name or say something, but when you make the same mistake again, I'm not coming back. So, um, cause I, I don't subject myself to, you know, experiences where I feel like I'm being um, disbelieved or misunderstood or, or treated as though I'm not honest or a good person. So I won't, I won't put myself back in that position. So you might only have one chance to get me the healthcare I need for the thing I really need it for, like, you know, blood pressure or whatever. It's not blood pressure with me, but. <laughs> right. And I know the next question talks about difficulties for LGBT people to find um, adequate healthcare. And you've basically touched on those types of things. Um, do you have any maybe advice on how the health care team could make sure that the LGBT is getting the adequate health care? Well, if you are interested in LGBT health care, make that known everywhere you can think of to make it known. Put it on the posters in your office, put it on your description on the internet of your practice. Because honestly, the hardest thing for me is to figure out, everybody thinks they're cool with LGBT folks, but I need you to like celebrate it for me to walk in your door. I need to feel like, oh, they're not afraid of it. They're not, and it's not just a box they're checking to make them look more inclusive. They really, they're like, this is the kind of healthcare I wanna do. And don't be afraid to get a reputation. I mean, there are, are GLBT people everywhere and you know, the word will be carried on through the community and, you know, really things, you know, as much as you can reflect your care, do it, overdo it, you know, uh, because it really is hard to find, um, you know, even so 
today when I'm trying to get this, this intake evaluation, it's because somebody sent me a news story that said they'd started a trans-specific clinic. But when I called, they said, oh, we don't have that. But we do have this one doctor who does take care of transgender patients, right? So I got to a place where I think it's gonna be okay, but it wasn't because it was obvious or easy. It was, you know, it's like, it's like a treasure hunt to find someone who actually, and then when you need a specialist, you go over it all, you go through it all again, right? So I always ask my, when I have a trusted doctor, I always ask for a referral. And I say specifically, I need them to be at least trans competent. Um, trans friendly would be better. Um, so know who the other care, other providers in your area are who you would trust if you need to refer. Uh, and you know, call that person ahead of time if you need to and say, this is why I'm sending this person to you and this is what we need and this is what we already know. Do a little extra because that will, that will keep me in a relationship with a provider for a long time if I feel like they knew who I really am and they tried to make it better and make it easier. Completely. And thank you again for the in-depth answering. I really appreciate that. Um, Very glad to. And again, you, you've basically answered all my questions <laughs> through your um, answers and everything. So I guess with this last one, I'll ask, what do you think, like, what advice would you give to the LGBT to make sure that they're communicating and getting connected with the correct cl clinicians? It's interesting at the ONS conference, one of the things that I learned is that the medical providers, the nurses, the receptionists, they're kind of afraid of us. You know, they're afraid we'll be mad if they ask the question wrong and, and so on. So I think there's something that we can do, which is to be really straightforward and say, hey, that don't ask that question again then that way. Here's what I need you to say in a way that isn't, um, isn't attacking any one clinician. And also, you know, I think we, we sometimes, I mean, it is such a vulnerable time. I know I lose connection with my, like in other places of my life, I'm really good at asking for what I need and, and um, standing up for myself. So I have to work on applying those skills. But really, you know, the truth is any GLBT person should be able to come into any medical setting and be treated as a fully human person who um, is in control of their own care. Like, you know, I know which, I've, I've tried a, a lot of different forms of meds and stuff. I know which ones worked and which ones didn't. Just because you have a favorite, you know, li listen to me. Listen to me about what works or doesn't work. Um, you know, I'm atypical even in the way that I use hormones because now that I'm older, I don't use a full dose. I'm not trying to masculinize anymore. So I use a, a very small dose. I know what that dose is and I can talk to you about it. Why it's that? It's basically the dose that keeps me from feeling terrible that I don't have any sex hormones in my body, but it's not actually anymore meant to masculinize or you know, do any of the things that, that in the beginning you're trying to accomplish with a transition. So, um, you know, I've been corrected so many times. Like, well, that's not enough. Well, actually, that is enough. Um, so it's a, it's a partnership. And, and I think really a lot of the 
a lot of the work needs to be with the clinicians um, and us folks that are part of the LGBTQ community just need to do our best to um, be as honest and patient as we can. It's not easy, you know, after 25 years, I can't believe that some people don't even know the basic answers to the questions, right? Like how, or how to ask me about my gender. That, you know, asking my, my legal sex, I'm pretty sure didn't give her the information she needs for an exam. So my legal sex is male. I'm male on my driver's license, my passport, you know, everywhere that is a legal document, I'm male. But she was trying to figure out, am I male becoming, you know, male or feminizing? Or am I, was I, was I born? How was I born? Am I in the middle? She's, a, you know, she's trying to ask a really complex question with a really um, clumsy stick, you know, like a clumsy tool. So I hope that helps. Yeah, 100%. I want to, that was the last question. So I want to, again, thank you for your time today, Reverend Sean. And this has been really insightful and important. And I can't thank you enough. Great. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you.